Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I get the impression Spielberg, since, you know, Lincoln and all those movies, he's been making movies that he likes himself, but people don't necessarily like. Um, it's He hasn't really made a good movie in oh. 15 something. And oh. Lincoln was not one of them. That's always a sore spot for everyone I talk to. But yeah, that uh, was based on the biography Lincoln. The man and the car. Yeah, and <laughs> and the car you want to drive away in as fast as possible. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was Peter Freeman of DC Outlook, and uh, evidently he is not a Steven Spielberg fan. <laughs> Good thing we didn't do a whole hour episode. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, hey, we love him. Or at least even most though of I would, we would say that Steven Spielberg is still making a, a quite a run for best director and best picture during awards season. Mm. And uh, here we are in awards season. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up to date with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in Cats Podcast Central. All decked out of my red and green today, Arch. All set to go. <laughs> Ready for the all Christmas <laughs> edition. And uh, we have our our two fanboys, our joy boys, the movies. They are loaded for bear in Los Angeles for Observer.com and Emerson College, Oliver Jones, all right, all our right. longtime hey, friend. And in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Jason Fraley oh, of yeah. WTOP Radio. <laughs> and, uh, and before we get going, uh, Jason, I want to thank you for letting me repost your podcast where Oliver and I went through Steven Spielberg's uh, career. Of course. My podcast is your podcast. It's yes. all the same. You know what we should tell everybody. You know what do you do when you when you when the Zoom time limit runs out and you're chronologically going and you're only on ET? <laughs> oh, I guess we should start this over and keep going. Part two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we won't mention it to Peter Freeman. So, but let's do let's let's jump in now and uh, let's start out. Jason, what are you watching these days? What do you want to do, our award contenders, or what I'm just watching for fun? Which one do you want? Well, well, just let's get this out of the way. What are you watching for fun? And I've got a quick one too. And then we'll then let's get into awards season. Gotcha. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. So what I'm watching for for stream? Well, we're always watching mm-hmm. Abbott Elementary. Yeah. That's great. But um, right. in terms of a new a new show, um, I I just watched um Willow on Disney Plus. Um, do you guys remember Ooh. it was a Ron, Ron Howard directed yeah. 19, yeah. the yeah. original like a dark fantasy? It was a George Lucas story actually. Ooh. And did uh, Jim that was Henson have something to do with that, or am I thinking of another movie? Did I don't it have like Muppets in it. I don't know if Henson was involved in that or not. Actually, I think it was more of like a Lucas film uh, mm. job. Um, yeah. But I could see why you would say that because it's very much yeah. sort of that that stuff. Weird kind style. of. Yeah, weird stuff. And it kind of got mixed reviews at the time. But I know and people in my generation, we sort of like grew up watching it. So mm-hmm. I can sort of see now. I can see why Disney Plus is rebooting it. So, you know, our generation, you know, a lot of them have kids and they're showing showing it to them. So for me, that's only two episodes in. So the jury's still out. There is a balance between all things. Light and shadow. Good and evil. 
though. They do a good a good bit of misdirection on who the true identity of the adult Allura Dannon is. And you remember, she was like oh. the baby that was washing down river, uh-huh. sort of like Mo- Moses. <laughs> <laughs> Moses' um, little sister. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the same actor is back. The same actor is back playing um Willow, and I, I keep waiting to see if um Val Kilmer will return as as Mad Mardigan. He hasn't he hasn't shown up yet, but um, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> well, he, he came he came back for Top Gun Maverick. So who knows? Who knows? So um, and how about you, Oliver? What are you uh, watching? Just I I, I I did watch uh, Top Gun Maverick this week, and all I have to say oh. is, um, Jason, uh, Iceman is not here to protect you. <laughs> I uh, what about Goose's I, son? <laughs> oh no! Talk to me, Goose. Oh. Um, so wow. uh, I, I have to say, I've been furiously watching uh, all the movies that got released this year before the uh, end yeah. of the year uh, yeah. awards. Um, uh, uh, the, we were voting in the LAFCA on Sunday. So whenever I watch mm. a TV show, it kind of feels like I'm cheating. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so, but this week I've been cheating with uh, Andor, uh, the, the Star Wars show on, on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's wow. just terrific. It's a, I, I know how you feel about Star Wars, Arch. You, I can feel the groans from here. <laughs> and, and, just the name Disney. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the show is um, is uh, uh, created by uh, Tony Gilroy, uh, the great screenwriter, and and it's it's a little too arty for Star Wars fans and a little too Star Wars for arty fans. Uh, so it's kind of getting stuck in the middle. Um, and uh, but it is just a wonderful show for our times, explaining how fascism rises up and how you fight it. I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. I just found it a very moving and illuminating show, much to my surprise. Uh, I have, like you, Arch, I long gave up on Star Wars. (laughs) We've been, Oliver and I have both been living in Fantasyland, Willow and Star Wars. Yeah. Andor and Willow. Okay, and I just want to throw in that I love Fleischman is in trouble and that I live for Thursday nights and I'm just there for the whole thing. Uh, And a friend of mine said the episode last week just perfectly encapsulated a hostile marriage. (laughs) 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 Just... Just you know, put it in the dictionary. I love it. So, could uh, I, could I actually that's before, on Hulu. Right? Oh, that's on Hulu. Yeah. yeah I, can I make one more uh, streaming recommendation mm-hmm. before we dive into the awards? I know there's a ton of awards stuff. Yeah. Um, I just watched. Um, it's on Apple TV Plus. Um, there's a new comedy musical sort of rendition send up of a Christmas Carol. It's called Spirited. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it stars Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, uh-huh. and I, I had low expectations because you know, like, how many Christmas carols are there? I'm I'm a big yeah. Alistair Sim and George C. Scott, and then you got them up. It's all that good Scrooge McDuck, all like. But how many times can you do Remember it? Remember Scrooge right. with the, Bill Murray. I'm glad you mentioned that because this is sort yeah. of mo- more in, in that vein, I would say, because Ryan Reynolds is sort of like the, our smart ass, uh, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> Deadpool style Bill Murray of, of nowadays. So, out of all the people on the planet, murderers, people who do gender reveal parties. I'm the guy you're going to haunt. You know what? Forget it. What I liked about this one, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I laughed a bunch. And what I liked was, um, you you remember how Tim Allen's The Santa Claus kind of showed us the behind the scenes machinations of the North Pole. You know, you saw it from the elves perspective right. and all that. 
So this one sort of does the same thing, but for with Dickens' um, Ghosts of Christmas, Past, Present, and Future. So rather than following it on Earth from Scrooge's perspective, visited by the ghost, we're sort of behind the scenes in this supernatural divine world and watching, you know, Will Ferrell is the ghost of Christmas present. Tracy Morgan is the ghost of yet to come. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't see him, you know, he's in the cloak, but he's making yeah. singers. And uh, and the whole thing has these Pasek and Paul musical numbers, you know, the duo that did La La Land and The Greatest Showman and uh, Dear Evan Hansen. So they're writing these songs and Ryan Reynolds is doing, we're bringing back Christmas. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it's sort of I'll, um i'll the, take a what's what's it on it's, it's on, on apple apple, apple tv plus it, okay, it's totally yeah. just you know mindless just enjoy it but there is some like subversive social commentary like when ryan reynolds's big bringing back christmas number is like a, almost like a mm-hmm. ted talk to this banquet and he's this social media tycoon i don't like an elon musk or something but the whole song is like criticizing our i don't know our our cable news war on christmas fear-mongering the whole thing is like mocking that so it's really clever actually. well that's good it's interesting okay i i, I want to throw out in that vein uh that i was shocked how much i liked a christmas story christmas oh, on wow. hbo i i'm <laughs> don't do it arch don't do it <laughs> i watched the whole thing I teared up at the end. Oh, Art. <laughs> I would rather shoot my eye out. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, that's All right. great. Did you stick your tongue to a pole while but watching? I, I will say, I <laughs> yes. will say, Art, I followed your recommendation on Weird, the uh, Al Yankovic story, and you are completely yes. right. Uh, yes. you, hit on the, you hit that on the on the nose. I, I laughed all the way through. It was great. And <laughs> the my daughter scene thanked where well. he meets his influencers. Oh, it's so is funny. one of the most delightful scenes of the year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, no, it was guys, really good. Even early on in that movie, where Uh-oh. they're sitting around. When they're sitting, when he's he's a young kid sitting around the table, you know he's gifted the accordion, and yeah. all that stuff. But when they're sitting around the table with the parents, and as soon as the dialogue is like, "Well, son, we're here to talk about why you really need to give up on your passion," and even though you know, like the, <laughs> right. it's so very self-aware of like mock spoofing uh, biopics. So of it was, course, yeah, yeah. And it was a great part for Daniel Radcliffe too. He just yeah. has so much fun with it, and uh, and it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. So thank you for that recommendation, Arch. I'm putting together a 10 best list, and I'm sure that you both are already. And uh, I can just say that uh, I'm go- I most likely will include Weird on it. And I, f- I forget what is Weird on. Oh, that's on that. It's on Roku. Roku. So yeah. it's free. Yeah, it's the free. Roku channel. Roku. Yeah, you got you to gotta put up with commercials, but you can watch it for free. Okay, so let me start out here and just enrage both of you. Because if we're just thinking about the best movies of the year and, you know, award season is coming, I, I vote in a couple of, uh, of uh, contests. I know uh, uh, Jason does and Oliver does, too. I think you cannot think about uh, 2022 without starting with Top Gun Maverick. Because... <laughs> because <laughs> here's i am concerned that movies are not in the conversation in the manner they were a generation ago and of the one movie that people are still talking about and the one movie people will mention it's top gun 
Maverick. And so I'm going to turn it over to Oliver I hear what Jason. you're saying. I hear what you're saying, Arch, and uh, and I understand your concern. You know what? I, when I left, um, when I left that movie, and everyone was talking about how this movie is is going to save cinema and save movies, I was reminded of the quote of Pauline Kael, who said, um, "Some men's idea of love is so boring that I don't want it." Uh, so, uh, and, and I sort of felt that way about that movie. I mean, if this is saving movies, do movies need to be saved? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, it was, but I mean, it was a cheesy delight in some respects. But the, but the idea that pe people are putting it on this, on this large pedestal, when, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a creepy military film. Uh, you know, uh, celebrating conspicuous consumption of gasoline. Uh, and um, and with a lot of you know, with a lot of cheesy lines, you know. Uh, and in, you know, our really friend Rocky Haddadi, uh, whom I know Jason knows, and you would love uh, Oliver. She maintains that they're uh, invading or bombing uh, Iran or Iraq. That it's a yeah. Middle they kind of keep they kind of keep it ambiguous yeah. in the movie, yeah. but yeah. I found but, that yeah. I found that creepy. I I, I figured it was <laughs> Afghanistan. Uh, but uh, what did you think yeah. of the movie, Jason? So I mean, I I'm sitting here kind of like Arch, <laughs> where I'm wondering if I if it I'm trying to see if it's gonna get you know like the number ten slot on my list or what you know what I mean like to rep. I feel like I need I always try to represent a, a blockbuster somewhere in yeah, my list. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen Avatar two yet, so I have a feeling the whole quote saving movies conversation we're about to enter with with, with James Cameron's thing too. Um, oh God. I. Oh I, God. I hear. <laughs> I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick in terms of like I don't know like a nostalgia to the, to the first one I guess um mm -hmm. and like it is like the one movie this year that I did have my you know my dad or friend saying hey did you see Top Gun Maverick did you see it was so entertaining that you know and so like there wasn't it's like the only movie I can think of that actually generated sort of that mainstream conversation um I mean I guess you had the Batman and and I, I but I actually thought Prey the Predator prequel was probably the best of all the quote blockbustery remakes or whatever. So I I don't know. I uh, I hear your concerns Oliver about what jingoism kind of stuff patriot but uh, I I also I'm sort of in that camp with Arch where I'm like I I feel like I I'm trying to at least make room for the year's talking conversation movie uh somewhere in the list. The, the and film it wasn't won, a superhero. It was, right. you know, I mean, it's a military hero. Okay, Oliver, pardon the me. Film, the film won uh, Best Cinematography at the New York uh, Film Critics Circle. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I definitely watched it for its uh, its muscular cinematography. But again, <laughs> you know, um, every close-up, there's so many close-ups in blue light. And, you know, it just was, it was too reminiscent of uh of my 80s teenage years which i guess i remember with less rose-colored glasses <laughs> uh, perhaps others do no rose-colored uh, rose-colored yeah. <laughs> every time we talk <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> do we think it even has a shot at getting a best picture nomination because it might actually which it kind of i don't know like it kind of that would kind of surprise me um but i hear a lot of people putting it in the conversation if tom if tom cruise gets nominated i'll be surprised but a lot of people are predicting it, it kind of puzzles me i'm expecting it yeah well he does cry <laughs> <laughs>
Well, the Val Kilmer scenes were kind of touching. I will say that based on, you know, the fact just knowing he's sort of been going through some real life health struggles. All right. Now, here's although, a although second Val movie. Kilmer looked so good. He was still so attractive. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, nobody on his deathbed is going to look that hot. Uh, you know, come on. We've had two Val Kilmer references already in the first <laughs> minutes of this episode. <laughs> All right. Now, here is a second movie that has been uh, widely discussed this summer and this year and we really have never talked about and it is everything everywhere all at once mm. and uh michelle yo uh is uh mentioned as a best actress or best you know uh, in la you you don't have actress or actor anymore it's best right. uh, performance she's mentioned uh i'll start the bidding this way on everything everywhere all at once i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> i don't get it what the hell was that <laughs> well uh some say it was uh the director's uh very expensive uh audition reel to, to do a marvel movie um but i i would say it was um you know it was definitely a movie that's important to watch about uh, and and it takes on aspects of american and specifically asian american identity uh across culture and american society which is which is fun uh mm -hmm. and and um and and interesting and uh and i think elevates the conversation and the fact that at the center of this conversation is really one of the most dynamic and exciting actors that we've had for a long time in michelle yo and that she's able to do her full range, you know, and, and go full flower and do everything that she is able to do. You know, I, I'm, I wasn't quite as, uh, as put off by the movie as you were, Arch. Uh, I didn't love it, but, um, but I, so, uh, uh, I, I, I was so sort of overcome uh, uh, with um, satisfaction at seeing everything that she could do and was given an opportunity to do. That it was I wasn't put hard. off by it. I was just, I, I just felt like I was being uh, pummeled. Yes. <laughs> That's I'm putting it politely. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. I can see, but I can see both of your points. Like, um, I would be it would be awesome if Michelle gets um you know honored maybe even finally right. wins like a long quote career Oscar or something because I mean Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon was was so groundbreaking with Ang Lee I mean so many great roles over the years so I would be thrilled with that um but then to to Arch's point I I am kind of um I'm kind of over like the whole multiverse thing I mean if we take a step back from even everything yeah. everywhere at once but like um I know people are raving about it but like. Just in general, this trend of multiverses and having three Spider-Mans in the same movie or oh, or, or the animated Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, By the time, like, the third Spider-Man showed up, I was glad for the diversity and everything. But, like, narrative-wise, it starts to break my brain a little bit when they have so many multiverses. <laughs> I want a streamlined story for the most part. I don't care if you move the pieces around Memento, Pulp Fiction, but when we start going to different universes, it starts, I don't know, maybe I'm old school. You, you yeah. remember that Steve Martin line? He said, I went to see a uh, hidden tiger, crouch, crouching tiger, hidden dragon. There was not a dragon hiding, and I did not see a crouching tiger. <laughs> <laughs>
I just remember running across the treetops in those fight sequences where the wire foo, I guess. It was right after the Matrix. I found that one more accessible than um than uh, everything everywhere all at once well and and i will say you know i i watched a tv show um uh star trek discovery and and michelle yo plays two characters on that tv show uh you know one a really militant character and one a much more peaceful character so i'd already seen you know a year before this movie came out michelle yo doing multi versions of her own personality uh very right. effectively uh but you know, um, it, there's a there, there's too much going on in this movie to dismiss it and perhaps to completely get your mind around it. Yeah. Well, and okay, also now, real yeah. quick before we move off, mm-hmm. and shout out to Kei Hu Kwan. Um, yeah. yeah. Who was short yeah. round in the Temple of Doom. Uh, not to bring back our conversation from last week with Spielberg, <laughs> but um, it's so cool to see him coming back around. And if and if the Fablemans has a big night, like we're all predicting and everything, like how cool would it be if Short Round and and uh, Spielberg sort of get a reunion at the Oscars? Yeah, cool. Are we looking for the Fablemans to be the uh, best picture and best director and the movie everyone uh, talks about this year? Because it's not exactly. I would say it's not in the conversation. I don't. I haven't heard. But a couple of people come up to me and say, "Oh, I saw the Fablemans." Oh. Oh, I don't. Well, yeah. So I don't think it's in the conversation, like to to like what you're saying and what Oliver said last week, which was um, that Spielberg is becoming the thing he killed. That was the line of it. <laughs> but like that, it's it's not the mainstream on the tips of everyone's mouths. Like Arch is just, like you just said, yeah. it's it's specialty cinema now. But in terms of like Oscar odds makers and early predictors, I I do think the Fablemans is either at the top or towards the top in picture and and director. I think. Spielberg's sort of having a, a bit of a comeback with that. I think everyone here has finally seen it now, right? Like when we saw, yeah. Arch and I hadn't yeah. seen it when we did our big Spielberg episode. Yeah. So what what did everybody think? <laughs> well, I think my expectations were sky high. And yeah. so that worked against it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a little long. And uh, they kicked me out at one point because uh, they, they give you a, a time frame of 1952. And the family is driving a 1955 Plymouth. Oh, and I'm oh, sorry. Spell. That, yeah. Wow. yeah. What? Ooh. <laughs> Futuristic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I liked it a lot. And I loved uh, uh, the Michelle Williams character. Yeah. Um, so I saw um I I hear you about the high expectations. That's all it's always hard. And I'm I was yeah, I was going in expecting it to be like my movie of the year. And I, I I'm not sure I sound I think I liked it more than you, Arch, but I still don't know if it's gonna to- be at the top. The, the other thing that kicked me out is um the, the mother drives toward a tornado because you know she loves danger and she's uh, she's the artist of the family. So the kids get in the car and they drive toward the tornado. And then they get to a grocery store and you see these uh, grocery carts streaming mm. across the street. Oh, yeah. And it's such a Steven Spielberg scene that it that threw me out. Mm. It looked like something from E.T. or Close Encounters or something. You know, it was too occasionally. I think it was just too slick. 
occasionally yeah. too occasionally too on the nose i, I definitely uh-huh. hear that um but i i don't know but i i still really and all that said i still really enjoyed it like it reminded me of making movies as a kid with our camcorder like that right that scene, yeah. that scene yeah. where young young sammy's filming what is it the, that war movie and all of his buddies uh-huh. are the extras and they're laying on the ground in the background and then when the yeah. camera moves they all have to get up and run around so they can lay down again so they can pretend <laughs> they can pretend they're that i just uh-huh. there's so many little amusing moments i'm sure he didn't have that problem on private ryan i'm sure they had enough extras horse <laughs> but um but yes uh the final as oliver said that the final scene with um david lynch's john ford was i was howling like we you know uh, i don't want to uh-huh. give away the, the line about you know the horizon of, of the, when you're setting up a shot or whatever but the final camera um tilt i laughed out loud <laughs> well i i used as a barometer for the films that i chose uh to um consider for my for the best of the year as whether or not i cried and the second time i watched this movie i cried uh yeah, not yes. the first uh but the second time uh it really uh hit me in the guts uh yeah. um and it was about in the middle section it didn't really um you know, I'm not sure the Northern California section worked quite as well as the Arizona and the high school Jersey yeah. Uh, yeah. section. Um, uh-huh. But it was, um, but the relationship between the boy and the mom and, and the secret film uh, that's uh-huh. created uh-huh. and that sort of secret dialogue between them. And just the fact that there is no way that Steven Spielberg could have made this movie while his mother was still alive. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, yeah. it was such a, it was, it was so uh, so painful and and uh, and so and so honest. And to see some someone's um, you know with all of those those tricks and all that slickness, but to see still a soul bared in its raw form, yeah. it was a, it was a, um, a delectable and and enticing and and magical and 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 for me quite emotional. Uh, so so for me, it really was uh, among the most accomplished films of the year. Yeah, I'll Jason. echo I'll, I'll echo the emotion of Fableman yeah. and uh uh yeah, I think I liked it considerably more than you watched, but um but I it's that's that's totally fine. Um it's um yeah, like just the whole concept of of an author bearing his soul and dealing with heavy issues like that mm-hmm. and sort of the metaphors with the train wreck and all that oh, and the fact that you know, he screened he screens his the the footage he found they don't even say a word and the fact that it happens in a closet you know like uh, the 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 family skeletons in the closet there's um I noticed a bunch of cool filmmaking stuff too where like you know um Paul, Paul Dano is in the left side of the bed he's the left uh, brain uh, yeah. engineer uh, the good, wife and good. his mom is on nice. the right side of the bed is the the you know the right brained creative there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff. Seth Rogen was surprisingly good, even though you know you sort of hate his role in in imploding the family. But um, yeah, there's a lot to like, and I think I would really really um enjoy watching it again. I really I I I I'm really I was a fan of it. Yeah, there's another movie that's coming to HBO on December 23rd, and it's been in theaters, and it is the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, and I was I don't know uh, they probably don't. It's been in theaters, so I think it's okay to talk about it. And I was blown away. I I was uh, shockingly entertained. I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, 
Will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. And I thought it uh, built to a, uh, a delightful conclusion, considering that it's either 10 little Indians or, and then there were none. <laughs> or, you know, how many, how many variations of this have we already seen? But uh, I thought it really uh, paid off. And, and that, uh, the, that uh, Elon Musk character was a wonderful villain. And that uh, Ed Norton or, uh, did a wonderful job. So I, I was uh, I was less taken with the movie than with the original. I did love the two lead performances of Janelle Monet and Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah. They were a great uh, a partnership at the at the top of the of the film, and uh, and Janelle Monet was a real standout. I felt the film was not as funny as the first, and the characters were were less compelling and a little bit more, you know, like the move the ditzy movie star character. Was a little bit. And, uh, Kate Hudson was a little bit too much. Was, yeah, it was a, it was a little up, bit Kate. more tropish than I thought the first one Just was. Shut um, up. That said, <laughs> I, I, you know, I would delight to see more. Um, and um, uh, from certainly from that lead character. Uh, but with with Elon Musk himself being uh, oh. such an extreme caricature of the Elon Musk character. You know, it's kind of hard to buy into, um, you know, a send up of him. There wasn't, it was not nearly enough. He embarrasses himself more on Twitter every day than everyone <laughs> does of him uh, in that movie. I think Daniel Craig has found his post Bond new yeah, franchise yeah, character. Like, yeah, I hope they keep it. Very much. So, there's several things I want to mention. Uh, so, we're going to need to take a break. But before we do, uh, is there anything else that we are talking about or thinking about when we think about our favorite movies or the uh, the award uh, contenders yeah. this I'll, year? I'll uh, I'll try to go quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I was hoping Empire of Light would capture me like the Fablemans by Sam Mendes, but I really did yeah, not. Yeah. I did not enjoy it. I think I was building up like a cinema paradiso or a purple rose of Cairo, like a magical ode to all these old movies. And instead it was more this like risque uh, love triangle kind of thing, back yeah. room stuff. There were a couple scenes with the projector and, um, and Michael Ward's character, but um, I, I just, I don't know the whole, the thing just, it, it maybe it just didn't, wasn't the movie I was thought it was going to be. So I don't think that's going to be contender. Um, I saw the whale by Darren Aronofsky, which I think yeah. um, uh, Brendan Fraser could, could um possibly win uh best actor maybe for that it's the type of performance where you put on all the prosthetics and the way it's kind of a kind of a heavy mean-spirited gross out kind of a movie too um uh I, so i don't i don't know if all of it kind of works but i think he he might compete but i honestly would be kind of uh rooting for colin farrell in the banshees of an issue and i finally yeah. watched that i know oliver loved that martin mcdonough movie um I really liked it. It was like a beautifully bizarre little movie, like Colin Farrell trying to figure out why Brendan Gleeson won't be his friend anymore. Uh, it won't. It won't be for everyone. Can't put my finger on why. <laughs> but I, I would say it. the same thing about the whale. Yeah, certainly yeah. not for everyone. I, I think that uh, it's it's a mean spirited movie, and it's it's no. not getting a good um, no. Course. So no. and and um, I think um, but. 
Yeah, uh, the Banshees of of Inishirin is a perfect little script, isn't it, uh, Jason? I mean, you just couldn't you couldn't really write them much better than than that movie. Uh, and it gives all of the actors, not just the two lead actors. Oh, yeah. It gives. Oh, all Carrie Condon was great. Yeah, um, uh, it was just a uh, a remarkable movie. It didn't make me feel good. You right. know, uh, it right. made me very irritated and like a um, wistful, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. There, yeah. I there mean, is I was, a wistfulness. I, I was aggravated for like two days after watching that movie. Um, so I don't know if it could wist- win. Can something that aggravating win? I mean, it's crafted, and I loved it, but I don't know. It might. I may. I don't know. I don't know. I, it uh, left again, me wistful, but I think people are going to walk out saying, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, you know what? I uh, a couple others I'd like to mention really quick. I saw Women yeah. Talking, and I don't think it even comes out nationwide till oh, January. Yeah, Sarah Polly, yeah. Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley in this abusive Mennonite colony. I'm already this- reading references to it. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's got this like desaturated palette, and so again, it won't be for everyone. And it's and it's all dialogue the entire time, but. But I was riveting by the dialogue. Like we're sitting there and my wife was like, man, this dialogue's so good. It has to be from a book. And sure enough, it is. It's based on this true story um, of this sort of um, religious commune in, I think, Bolivia. It was all waiting to happen before it happened. You could look back and follow the breadcrumbs along the path that led to violence. When we looked back, it had been everywhere. I also want to say the Woman King. We got to mention the Woman King, Gina Prince Bythewood. Viola Davis was great. Um, how do you say? Is it Thess Mibidu? How do you say the Young Warrior? She stole the yeah. show from me. Yeah, yeah. The thing I like I about this podcast—that went on the list today. Oh, check is out it, the Woman King. It's like a brave heart, but strong black women. Yeah, we try to leave you wanting more. <laughs> so, first of all, we're gonna do. That. I have several things we got to touch on, but first. Hound Radio makes this podcast possible, and it's Lou Katz in the Katz podcast system with a word about the Hound. Well, you know, when, when Hound Radio squats, <laughs> squats, you get it? It can only mean one thing. More freebies. Check this out. Hound Radio knows you work like a dog, so it's unearthed an early holiday gift just for you. Motown Christmas, presented by Motown and more, is coming to the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club on Friday, December 16th at 8.30 p.m. Not only is Santa coming, but all your favorite Motown Christmas songs performed by the tribute group Motown and more. Silver bells. You'll hear popular holiday classics by Motown stars like The Temptations, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, and other music legends. To houndradio.com to register and win tickets. It's from the only station that has Motown Mondays, and now a Motown Christmas. Happy holidays from Hound Radio. I got an email from a guy in Florida who heard our uh, extended podcast on the career of Steven Spielberg and said he really liked it, and it spawned a question in his mind. Why hasn't Whoopi Goldberg received better movie roles after her terrific performance in The Color Purple? I think that's a good question. She won an Oscar for Ghost. Pierce. She won for Ghost. She did. She did. And that was an amazing role as um, as the, you know, the, what do you call it? The clairvoyant psychic. Uh, Oda Mae Brown. Um, I think, yeah, she kind of went to the view, right? Attention. 
Yeah. I'm glad you brought her up, though. That's a it's a great mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. She produced and played the grandmother in the movie Till um, right. about uh, Emmett Till, mm -hmm. and uh, with the amazing lead performance by uh, uh, Danielle uh, Deadweiler, which is I probably I mean uh, if anyone's going to give Kate Blanchett a run for her money this year uh, at the Oscars, that's going to be the performance. Uh, it was just such a stunning performance, and. Um, uh, you'll just ne you'll never forget it. Uh, the movie's good, but the performance is remarkable. And and um and uh, Whoopi Goldberg is a grandma, you know, and she's very much uh, a, a picture of a grandma, and that really makes you feel um a little <laughs> bit up there in years. <laughs> right. Uh, we got to play some props very quickly. Some propers first to Julia Reichardt, seventy six years old, and she uh, directed. Oh. Uh, American Factory, which anyone who has, I would recommend to anyone. Uh, any thoughts on Julia Reichert? We're talking about the soul and conscious of the American documentary community. You know, uh, the, the the person who brought uh, morality and community and purpose to uh, to American documentary and and was really a central communal figure that that brought all of these very dis, uh, disparate figures together. Uh, her impact in the documentary community cannot go uh, uh, overstated, uh, and it's a tremendous loss. But the dignity yeah. that she showed um, uh, throughout the throughout her life, and certainly towards the end of her life, uh, you know, was was very moving. Everything American Factory is just an a uh, a profound uh, statement uh, on uh, on where we are today, so I'd recommend it. This is a historic project that is going to help grow this community, give people jobs, and give a future to your kids and my kids. Nothing in America has changed in terms of working people working hard. What changed in America was rich people deciding they wanted to rewrite the rules to take advantage of people. Kirstie Alley passed away at age 71, which was sort of a shock. Uh, do we remember uh, Look Who's Talking? <laughs> oh, I love Look Who's Talking. Wasn't it Bruce Willis as the baby voice, I think? Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, it was. I just remember the opening, the opening <laughs> with like the, gra the graphics of like the sperm swimming and the talking. Uh. Like, for, I, that was like a childhood favorite. And of course, Cheers is one of the all-time great sitcoms ever. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You are choice, Malone. You are just really choice. You will do anything for a role in the hay. If you will play on my sympathies and you will stoop to anything. God, I am tired of fighting you. I just don't have the strength to do it anymore. If this is what you really want, then by all means, take me here, take me now, please, please. Are you serious? Oh, yes. I want it bad. Much better than the way they portrayed it in Blonde, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, weekend recommendations. I want to mention very quickly that Emily the Criminal is coming to Netflix, and that's Aubrey Plaza, and I am a huge fan of her. And that is a wonderful film about an art student with a lot of student debts. And uh, she turns to credit card scams to pay off her debts. And uh, that's pretty awesome. What do, you, what do you guys recommend for the weekend? 
I'll go ahead. I'm uh, opening at the uh, Angelica in uh, in D.C. is a documentary, mm. um, uh, Salvatore Shoemaker of Dreams, uh, about uh, Ferragamo. Ferragamo. Uh, and uh, directed by um, Luca uh, Guad Guadagnino. Uh, I can never say that correctly. Uh, and uh, I really found it a compelling uh, a story. Uh, again, maybe you have to like shoes, but I do. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> And I, I, I highly recommend that one. <laughs> and uh, shoe, uh, Jason, what are you recommending? Quickly, <laughs> I'll I'll recommend uh, uh, Spirited on Apple TV Plus. The Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Charles, the Ebenezer Scrooge, and then if for for awards contenders, I would say The Fablemans or The Woman King. I think those are there. Sort you of go. There's Jason Fraley of WTOP, Oliver Jones of Observer.com, Lou Katz in the control room. I'm Arch Campbell. And the next time we get together, let's do a top 10 list. Sounds let's, good. Let's, I've got it ready. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so much fun. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs>